0: I'm Dr. Lara Devkin. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, I'm so excited about today's episode of Beauty Bosses. We have the amazing boss, Shireen Von Wolfen, in the studio today. And uh, Shireen is co-founder of the clean beauty and lifestyle brand, Bastide, from Provence. Um, and I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for being here. I'm
1: so excited to be here. I'm finally a, considered a beauty boss.
0: You I'm are serious. a beauty boss. You're a boss and you do beauty. Oh, so you, ha- you have arrived. Thank you. I'm very Um, honored. Well, it's so amazing to meet you. Um, So I know all about your background, but I wanted to start by having you explain to our um, listeners, what is Bastide?
1: So Bastide is kind of like a a love project in a way. I mean, we found a beautiful house in Provence. Um, My husband is from there, so he was born and raised in Aix-en-Provence and we spent some summers there and at some point um, found this property that we fell absolutely in love with. And it's an old Bastide. And a Bastide is kind of like a fortified house, Um, so it's kind of an old farmhouse. And the brand really started by redoing this house and kind of the energy and the love we put into it and, and realizing that when you're in Provence, you eat from the garden, you eat from the markets and you feel much better. And so we are like, why can't we do beauty that really looks the way we want it to look, but that also is clean, and that it does what what the fresh produce and the fresh food in Provence does for your body, because you feel really great. So we were like, why can't we do this for, for our skin?
0: And you have some background in beauty, right? Because you started out in communications for Gucci in Germany, and then you went on to PR at uh, YSL here in the States. And tell us a little bit about your Bigger beauty background.
1: So, I mean, I've, I've kind of a kind of a fashion girl. So I kind of um, worked, uh, I grew up in the States. Um, Where did you grow up? I grew up in Virginia. So I'm German, German parents, born in Iran, which is also why I have that weird first name. Um, and uh, then moved to the States when I was four, when the Shah left Iran. So when the revolution happened. And then we, um, and then when I finished school, I went to UVA. I moved to Germany, basically because I couldn't get a job in the States. I was a... Foreign, you know, it was so hard to get a job because I wasn't a citizen. Oh, so I interesting. Started yeah, started working in Germany, and I think it was a great thing because Hamburg is such a small town. And as a starting place, it's like really, you know, you get to do things that you probably wouldn't get to do in New York right away. So I think it was a great move. And I started in PR, um, doing PR for Gucci when Tom Ford was first there. So for the fashion, um, and then did I also ended up doing some of his beauty. Then I worked as an editor for a fashion magazine called Amica, um, which was amazing because I got to go to all the shows and, you know, see couture and um, it was a great, great three years. And then I moved to Milan for six months and then to New York for YSL um, when Tom Ford took over that and I did the communications here. And then I joined him at Tom Ford when he started Tom Ford. Um, So and in between, like kind of around there, I met Frederick.
0: Um, and by the way, this is your husband, husband yeah. Frederick Fakai. Frederick. So in case you guys are wondering, she has great hair. Maybe oh. he's involved. Um, but you are half of a power couple. Tell everyone about your husband. I mean, he is definitely
1: the powerhouse. I think I'm not I'm not nearly the powerhouse that he is. Um, it's, it's, he's an amazing person. I mean, he's got this great energy. I remember when I first met him, um, I mean, I think he's really good looking. So I remember thinking that he would be this... Um, kind of a gigolo, you know, kind of been there, done that. And um, and then he ended up being this incredibly nice person. And we met over dinner. Um, and it was like, it was crazy. I think we were together like two weeks later and, um, you know, together since then. Um, so he's he's somebody who's amazing. Every, anyone who knows him knows he has an amazing heart. He's he's just has this energy that is nonstop and running all the time. Um, so I'm kind of more the... <laughs> I'm a little slower paced and calmer, I think, um, than he is. But it's fun. It's yeah. When?
0: How long ago did you guys meet? Uh, 12 years ago. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And you met at a dinner, and then the rest is history. Basically, we you guys d- fell I'm in love and quite, got married. And yeah, it's, it was
1: a little, a little more complicated. But um, and I, and I, <laughs> I feel like the good stories are always, always a little had, more complicated. We had an incredible first date that was just like out of the movies, where I thought he was like the most annoying guy ever, and I never wanted to see him again. Um, because he dragged me to all these weird parties, and there were weird people, and I thought, you know, you you make these judgments. I think, especially if someone's well known, you kind of think, okay, this guy is just, you know, is just too much. for, I, I just thought he was too social and too fake, you know. And in then initially, and I think it was just because I was making judgments really quickly, and then. Um, now that I know him, it's just that he's so off the cuff and so easygoing that he'll like include everyone and say hi to everyone and go to every party quickly, you know. But for me, as a first date, it felt really superficial, which he isn't at all. It's just that he's very inclusive and um, and kind of runs by the seat of his pants, which he doesn't try to impress his first date. <laughs> I mean, me <laughs> as his first date, he didn't try to impress me. So, um, you know, it was, it was yeah. He's really cute. He's once you know him, you know that he's very authentic. And um, but eh, in the beginning, it was that was tough.
0: That's so interesting. And so, when you guys met, you were working at YSL or Tom Ford?
1: I was working at YSL. YSL. So okay. So and Tom Ford was still there, and then he ended up leaving. Um, and then I was there with Stefano Pilati. So yeah, I, I met him when I was still when Tom was still there at, at Yves Saint yeah.
0: And did. Frederick, influenced your transition more into the realm of lifestyle and beauty and away from high fashion?
1: Um, I don't know about lifestyle. I, You know, I think that beauty kind of fits in. I mean, I've always been someone, I remember as a kid, I grew up on a farm in Virginia, and I have a mother who wears absolutely no makeup. And I remember getting W Magazine when I was like seven. I ordered it from like a publisher's clearinghouse thing or something. You know? <laughs> so I would get W Magazine and dance ballet in our... Barnyard, and you know, so I think I was um, always—I have a grandmother that's like that, you know. She was always into um, fashion, and so I think it's in—it's in me. I think I've lifestyle is kind of my thing. I love art. I love, um, you know, interiors. So I'm a very visual person. Um, Frederick is definitely someone who's got me more into beauty. So um, that's—that's kind of a new thing for me. But I would say that the—that the whole lifestyle realm is, yeah kind of always been my favorite thing to do
0: so how did you start let's take it back to your you know you're rebuilding this farmhouse in provence it sounds like idyllic and complete paradise and you're feeling good and living a good life and wanting to integrate that into beauty so what what did you do what were your first moves
1: so um well frederick had done this amazing collection for um fakai about 10 years ago, that was called Boutique de Provence. Mm-hmm. And um, he had done it with a wonderful woman called Nicole Hugues. And she um, was also the owner of Côté Bastide, which is the brand that we bought and which we created, which we turned into Bastide, basically. So she was someone that, that really inspired us. Um, we, we've always loved this brand. She was retiring, and um, so we decided to take it over. And um, so kind of things always... They, they I feel like things happen organically, and that really, you know, it just... It just worked, and um, and so that's how we, we uh, took over Bastide and started making these beautiful products.
0: What are your favorite products from the line?
1: Um, so I love. I mean, I love a lot of the simple things, like the body wash, um, because it's like a, this kind of morning. You know, we have one that's that's um honey lavender, and it's just like wakes you up in the morning. So, and I love it on my kids. You know, I love to be able to bathe them, and, and smell that and smell their skin afterwards. Um, but probably my absolute favorite is the Cora Core, which is a body cream um, and it comes in a beautiful jar and it's just unbelievable it smells of sheer petals so it has like a you know actual real rose petals and then um, and then the other one I love is the Ile patente it's a dry oil and you can put it on a, at the beach or you know when you have like that dry winter skin it's just a really good shiny um, you know moisturizer but it but it doesn't it doesn't um, stick at all it's not you know, it immediately um, nourishes your skin, so it's really
0: great. So you have an interesting story with Besteed because you acquired Besteed um, as a company that was already in existence. Mm-hmm. Um, when you acquired the company, what was it like in terms of its size and its reach and its product portfolio?
1: So it was tiny. Um, we, uh, but it had already it had some world, you know, it was it was sold. In the U.S., like in specialty stores, Um, so there it's funny. There really are uh, quite a number of people who know about the brand already and who've always loved it and kind of loved that authenticity of it because she she did always make things with makers. So that's really our idea is that we work with artisans from our region. So everything is produced in Provence, and we take the best makers in each category. So we have a, a soap maker. Um, that makes just our hard soaps. Then we have a woman who makes all of our liquid soaps and she makes them like really the old, like the, the way the Romans made soap, you know, it's like olive oil and coconut oil. And it's, um, so it's, it's, what we're trying to do is find the best of what's being made in Provence and then together create formulations that are completely clean, um, you know, things that we love, that, that we want to have in our bathrooms and that, that we feel are, you know, helping us to stay healthy and, and, and our kids. So it's kind of a very simple, simple idea.
0: Yeah, I like that because sometimes the simple things are the ones that stick with you the most. And it's sort of about the quality rather than the spin.
1: And also keeping, you know, I think for us it was like this, um, you know, you, you meet so many people in Provence. I was just talking to someone um who moved there you know a lot of people move from the big cities to provence right now because it's that you do have a different life you know you, you know you can eat well you know you can go to the market and buy tomatoes and you're gonna have the best tomato salad ever and you don't even you know need to cook or you or you can cook with just amazing ingredients so i think <clears throat> i find that provence for me is that like discovering these people who are passionate about something and um and, best, and with bastille we wanted to do that too is just to really find those people who are making things and um, and keep them alive and, and work together with them. So it's it's kind of a, you know, it's a win-win.
0: Did you rebrand or change Bastide when we you did. acquired it?
1: We did, we did. Um, I think Frederic especially really wanted um, a lot of color, so we it used to be a very black-and-white brand, and it had been copied a lot. Like, there are a lot of kind of brands out there right now that have that black-and-white kind of, um, artisanal look and so we felt that we really needed to change that and, and Frederick really wanted to bring the color of Provence into it because part of our idea was also that you you should be able to feel this, this beauty and this energy wherever you are so that you bring a bit of Provence with you. Um, so yeah, the brand's definitely changed a lot. It's, it's, um, it's much more colorful and I think beautiful. We have a great um, creative director that we work with here in New York his name is Pierre Jandeur. He has a company called Do Things, and did a wonderful job on our packaging. So yeah, it's been you know, it was a, it's a lot of work. Yeah, so
0: and fun. how big is the brand right now, or how big was it when you acquired it, and how big is it now?
1: I mean, big. I would say it's it's about the same size. I couldn't tell you big. I mean, I'm you know, I don't. I think that um, we're now. Uh, we're we're more we have more distribution in the U S now. We have our own store. So it, it started out kind of it was kind of bigger in the eighties, and then it they they used to have three or four stores. They had one in Paris. They had one in like two or three in Provence, and then they ended up just having one in in X, um, which then closed. And then we opened a new store in Provence. So I would say we're you know we're it, it's such a different time too. I mean we're doing a lot on online. You know so we have our, our website busted.com. And um, and people can really feel that lifestyle online. So it's a it's a very different distribution. It's a
0: yeah. Um, how has e-commerce changed things for you guys?
1: Um, How's it? I mean, it's everything. I think it's so you know the one thing we really realize is that America people are so receptive to e-commerce here. It's unbelievable. You know, it's a it's. I think in Europe, um, it's still going to take a minute, but not much longer than a minute. Um, but yeah, it's 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 cool because you can you can you can tell a story. I think we really work on our website a lot to tell people what we what we believe in, how we like to eat. You know, we have um, we interviewed my favorite naturopath recently for the blog, and um, you know, just to give people like to let them know what made us do this. You know, that it's like you, you want to eat seasonally, you you want to use products in a seasonal way. Um, you know, so it's really part of a whole of a whole lifestyle and. Um, you know, trying to take time. I mean, I always think about that when I come. We spend about two months in the summer in Provence, and when I come back, I feel like I've realized, like in New York, like you know, you just need to say no to things. You need to, you need to really, as much as I love New York, you have to, you have to come back as strong as it comes at you, you know, and 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 say no. I'm not going to do all these things. I'm going to, you know, focus on my kids, or I'm going to, um, you know, just take back your life a little bit. And I think that Provence, for me, teaches me that, and I'm hoping that the brand reminds people to do that too.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about this recently because y- you get so caught up in your daily life and tasks that you have to complete Ugh. that there's no, you know, intention about anything or enjoying of the moment and things like that. That slower pace of life.
1: Completely, completely. I think kids, you know, kids do that to you. I just recently visited my parents in Germany, um, and just being there with my kids. You know, you, you see your parents getting older. I think that really puts it front front and center. And you, um, I don't know. You, I, th- I think you really have to make an effort and to to live right now and to keep telling yourself that that those moments, um, drinking a coffee, you know, having a beautiful soap in your shower, yeah, you know, is, those things are exactly going to make you feel better and will make you more beautiful. So.
0: And it's all about those little things, right? Absolutely. Like a spritz of perfume, or yeah. you know, a sip of a great lemonade, or just those yeah. little fleeting moments. Someone told me recently that um, the most special time in your life is that narrow sliver, if you're so lucky to have this happen to you, where your parents and your children are alive at the same time. Absolutely. And um, and it's I I find it so resonant for me, and like I guess for both of us that um, we're part of that generation where right now for this narrow slice of time we really have to appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. And it's a, it's also like I I love that through my kids I can feel my roots and I can try and strengthen theirs, you know? That I I feel like that's what what will give them the most in their lives. I think the more you have roots, like I feel like I really do, I'm very close to my family. I feel very connected to Iran, I feel connected to America, I feel connected to Germany. So I feel um those roots make me strong and make me feel like I have something to go back to and I feel like the same thing with my kids like the more I can give them those connections and have them spend time with their grandparents and um you know see where where even with the brand like see how things are made and see where they come from and people who believe in something you know that gives them a a sense of who they are and
0: do you feel like having an international background has helped you make Provence more accessible to people who might think of it as you know very niche and not relevant to them
1: Think. What do I think? I think it's helped me. Um, actually, you know, I think having lived in different places, I think the m- most amazing thing is you just realize that that you found a place that's so special. I mean, you know, you would think that um, that it would have to be some big city that would excite you or something like that. And for me, Provence has really made me um, realize like how much I need nature and how much how important it is to slow down. And also, you know. I've always wanted to be more artistic, so I think that Provence lets me do that too, like kind of the light makes you want to paint or, you know, do things that, that you normally wouldn't do. So, um, yeah, I don't think, I think it's a, it's a pretty special special place.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. Um, how many employees do you guys have at so your company? We
1: have, um, we're seven right now in New York, and then we have five in Europe. So um
0: and are you doing most of your sales through bestie.com?
1: We're doing most of our sales well we we have great partners so we're with Nordstrom, we're with Holt Renfro in Canada. Um we are opening something downtown in the spring with Neiman's. Um we have a printemps in Paris, which is very exciting. So we you know, we have incredible partners um but our our online is doing incredibly well. Yeah. I couldn't tell you exactly who our main account is that would be my
0: husband's <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: forte but yeah
0: and is uh, he is your husband um, is your husband pretty involved oh with the goodness.
1: business he eats sleeps drinks this company I mean it's
0: really more he, than you know, Fakai
1: oh yeah no I mean it's it's um you know Fakai is also yeah I would say that Bastide right now is his passion I mean he's really really so excited about it and it's and and I think in a way you know, I think Fakai has gone through so many iterations um, and kind of selling a company and buying it back and selling it and and it, you know it was bought by by um, um, different big conglomerates and I think what he really wanted with Bastide is to do something that was small that was personal that was you know that he could relate to where he could really make the formulations together with the with the people that we work with so it was like this kind of um, going back to his roots and and. And not having it be all about money and, you know, investment and, you know, just really doing it the, the right way and, um, and making a product that he's incredibly proud of. Yeah. So I think I think this is this is kind of him, you know, living his dream.
0: What were his biggest learnings um, or the, the two of yours biggest learnings from um, your experiences with Fakai?
1: learnings. I mean, I think, you know, for me, this is the first time that I'm really working together with Frederic. Before I would kind of, you know, he's, he's pretty good about bringing things home in a good way. Like he includes me in a lot of things and always wants my opinion, but he doesn't bring home like a heaviness or like, you know, so he's, he's pretty good at, um, but I, what I would say is that for us working together has been really tough, just like, you know, building a house together is really tough. I mean, um, it's also been a really learning curve for me as a woman to figure out, you know, where to stand my ground. Mm-hmm. I know. it's, because I'm kind of a, I always want to make peace, I always want to be nice to everyone, I want everyone to be happy, and, you know, and I feel like I've really had to learn to speak up sometimes, and, and to believe in what I say, or to believe in what I, what I think, that, that I think has been, and I think especially when you're suddenly doing something, and you're, you know, you're a founder, whatever that means, but, you're, you know, before I I think I was always working for someone and all of a sudden I'm making decisions and you realize that you're impacting so many people around you and if it's the wrong decision you know, you think, oh my, you know, I could be making a mistake, but I think what I've learned from Frederick is to, you know, to go for it to have, to believe in your gut and to, um, and to not always back down and to say, you know what this is how I like it and this is how I want it and because I think also in the end if you, you know, this is something I learned in past jobs too, if you don't Go for it, you'll regret it because you you can only do your best. But if you never go for it, then, then you know, if you fail, you don't know if you could have made it. Do you see that? I mean, right. I, I've done that before in a job actually where I was it was my only job that I was ever fired, but um, this was when I was an editor in Germany. Okay. And um, and it was the hardest moment because I was I was super young. I was made fashion director, I think, at age 20. Um, and there were a lot of people that were super jealous, and they were like, Who's this girl? Like, why, why does she have this job? And, um, and I remember having these editors under me that were much older, and I was way too nice. Like, I was like, you know, I thought I could make it work. I thought I could, um, you know, we could all be a happy family. And it really wasn't the case. You know, I, what I should have done is been much more determined to kind of see my vision through and have the people there that I needed to have there. And I didn't do that. And I think that's the reason, or I know that's the reason that two years later, I was fired. Also, because a new editor in chief came in. I mean, anyone who works in magazines yeah. knows that teams switch when the editor in chief changes. But I think um, I really felt after that experience that had I, you know, been bolder and done things more my way, I think I would have been prouder of what I'd accomplished. So I think that was a big, a big learning. Yeah,
0: know. I've heard that from a lot of people. That, and I, I, I believe that myself too. That you tend to regret. The, the decisions you didn't make exactly. rather than the ones that you did because if you make a bold decision and it's an error then you regroup but if you never do it in the first place you don't know what could have happened
1: yeah or if it's like half-hearted i think that's yeah. the worst when you're kind of like you you know watching something go and you're not really forming it you know it has to be something you believe in so that you you can fight for it you know it's a real
0: yeah it's it's kind of a real struggle um what was kind of the most humbling moment or what, what has been so far the most humbling moment with best deed? Like, have you had moments where you have felt like you've bitten off more than you can chew or moments where you felt like, oh my gosh, is this really going to work?
1: I think every day is like that. Like, I don't know if I always think about that with, you know, I've listened to some of your other podcasts and you have such great people on. And I, I always, I think that that, seems to me the most, you know, I think most people who start something wake up every day very excited, but also really nervous because you think, um, you know, is this okay? Like, are people going to like it as much as I like it? Yeah, (laughs) right. um, So I think that's a normal thing. Um, I'm super lucky because I have Frederick who's done this before and who has such a positivity and such an energy. So I don't feel like I'm carrying the load all on my own. Um, and I also feel like I'm super blessed because I, you know, I have kids and I can still, I still take care of my kids too. So I can still manage those too, which I don't think I could if I didn't have Frederick in this, you know, he's really a a force. So, um, but I always wonder like people who are doing it all on their own, um, you know, you really have to have confidence. You really have to wake up every day, make yourself believe that it's going to, um, yeah, but I think every day, every day is, 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 exciting, but every day is also tough. Yeah.
0: For sure. And you are such a force, but I'm wondering, because I've heard this from a lot of people as well um, who are friends and who I've interviewed on the show, but um, do you ever feel that because you have a famous husband, you're not given enough credit or that you're not given the, the kind of acknowledgement you deserve for the hard work that you've put into building this company? Uh,
1: yes and no. I think there are definitely moments where I'm – very thankful because like I said I I have you know I can still spend time with my kids I can make my own choices and I think a yeah. lot of people don't have that so I, I feel really lucky so very but, lucky yeah but I do I mean I definitely there are moments when I yeah when I kind of think um, you know and we've had fights I mean we've had fights Rhetoric and I where I've you know I remember him saying you know you should just because I love I love everything it has to do with packaging I love colors I mm-hmm. love you know that's really my passion I'm a um, um, and I love interiors and things like that. And I remember at one point we got in a big fight about building our store in, in X. And he said to me, you know, you should just focus on communication. that's what you know how to do And I'm like, well, then maybe you should just focus on cutting hair. <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like, that is so unfair to pigeonhole me just because that's what I've been doing for a large part of my life. It doesn't mean that that's what I'm going to do forever. You know? So I think, uh, and he actually laughed. Thank you. You know, he's, he is any good. You have to be able to laugh with your business she, and she, life
0: partner. You know?
1: Yeah, because it's like it isn't fair. You know why should um why should you and and I think that's the other thing is you really have to fight a little bit to um to get out of and to to, to be what you you know it's funny I just saw the barefoot Contessa a friend of mine took me to this talk yeah. that she gave and she was so cute because she said you know the world is so crazy it's such a crazy place that you have to re- you have to be able to create a place. Um, around you at work that that stimulates you that makes you happy and I feel like that makes perfect sense to me and I feel like that's what Bastide is doing too because we have a I mean our team is unbelievable and they're um, all people we always say it's like people you want to have dinner with you know so it's not we really have created a, um, a team that feels good that's fun to be with and and that I feel safe in because I think that that's the that's the other thing is if you're if you're not feeling good and and happy at work you're it's not gonna it's not gonna happen and I and I think it is also our job to kind of say you know we shouldn't be in a job we shouldn't be somewhere where we're feeling unsafe or where we're feeling like we can't say what we want or or be who we want to be um because life's too short
0: Yeah. yeah so you have a great background in public relations for two powerhouse fashion brands um how has that helped you with best deed. like are there some are there a couple of specific lessons uh that you have learned or a few specific pieces of advice you would give to someone who's trying to bootstrap their way into their own pr
1: to doing their own pr for their business yeah or? doing
0: their own pr or just like kind of critical pr lessons to learn um
1: critical pr lessons to learn I think that you know I've I think more than the PR I think I've I've worked for really great people
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I think um, I remember Tom Ford was you know is always he's just amazing because I when we opened Tom Ford I remember editors coming to him we opened the store at the same time that we that he showed his first collection and I remember editors coming and saying can we preview the collection can we you know we want to see what it looks like and he said you know what we want to have everything at once like the. The day the store opens is when they get to see that collection because they won't understand the collection unless they understand it within that universe. Um, so, and he was so right. I think that you know the clothes on their own wouldn't have you know wouldn't have explained what he was trying to do. And I think it was such a bold statement what he did with the store. So you know it's I think it's more that I've learned that it's always a universe that your your um, PR now more than ever, especially when you're thinking about social media and things like that is is much more a feeling for what's happening than it is um, than it is this kind of like throwing, you know, throwing information at people or running after things. I feel like what you have to do is you have to create something that people want, you know. And, mm-hmm. and Tom would always say that to. He was like, I don't care what people are telling me that they need. You know, I have to know what they're going to want.
0: Right. So so
1: he didn't care about interest groups. He didn't care about, you know, he's like, I know that I have to create something that they don't even know they want yet. Um,
0: so, so you're almost creating the concept of demand before yeah. it even exists.
1: Yeah, and you're thinking you're just, I mean, I just, I love that about, I love that about fashion, I love that about beauty, is that you're always kind of looking at what drives people, what makes them, you know, what's, what's the next thing that they're going to love, or what do I love, you know, what, it, what makes me smile, what makes me um, excited. So I think that's, that's probably the best, the most I've learned.
0: Is social media big for you guys in terms of your brand?
1: Definitely, definitely, yeah. And it's, you know, it's so amazing because I, I mean, I, you can DM someone and, you know, and get, I, I mean, there's so many people that I've gotten in touch with through, through DM that I never thought would DM me back, you know, and that get really excited. So I think it's it's a way to really connect. And I think it's anyone who's not, I mean, I'm not somebody who's. Always on my Instagram. I think Instagram is the only one that I really use. Like, I'm not a huge Facebook user. Right. Um, Twitter is not. I mean, something you know, sometimes just news and things like that, but not, not too much. I think Instagram because it's so visual um, is amazing, and I think it's yeah, it really connects people. And there's a whole world that's that's happening. So if you're not on it, you're really you're missing, missing out. Yeah, right. Absolutely.
0: I know. It's so interesting. I was reading the latest stats, and there are a billion users of Instagram. And the average person spends almost an hour a day on their Instagram, for sure, for which is, you know, think of your eight waking hours and a couple of them you're eating and sleeping and working, right? So that's, like, kind of amazing.
1: But I do think it's, you know, it's, I, I, for instance, I mean, I don't watch any TV anymore, you know, so it's it kind of, I think it's just changed. Like, you don't, you maybe don't read quite as many magazines anymore because you're getting kind of your culture. You're curating, you know, you're like, yeah. okay, I want to watch I'm going to follow this person for fashion, this person for culture, this person for art, you know, whatever it's so, so you're kind of curating your experience and and all the other stuff falls out. Like I maybe watch the the news in the evening, but that's kind of it, you know? Yeah. So
0: that's That's so interesting. Um, The last thing that I wanted to ask you about with regard to your company is the extent to which a story is important to a brand. Because I think that in 2018, we're almost in an era where you can't just, buy soap. Like, you can't just go to the store and get a bar of soap. You have to understand the thought process and the concept and the feeling and the backstory of the brand. And I feel that very much with Bastide that like, you know, you've painted a beautiful picture of the, you know, of Provence and the farmhouse and the, you know, the makers and the ingredients. And, um, but so to what extent is the story part of the product?
1: I mean, I think it's like cooking, right? Like you're, you know, when you're cooking, you're putting in um, ingredients that you love and then it turns into something beautiful that you can share with someone else. So I think um, that's the same thing with, with, with the story. Um, yeah, that, that people want to feel like they're, um, I mean, I think for us, it's, it's also important, like we have to learn more and more how to tell that story. I know sometimes people say, you know, we don't have enough written on our soaps that say, you know, why, why don't you say who made this or why don't you, you know, so it's, so sometimes I feel like it can go too far too. Like you have to tell all these, um, tell all these stories. And really, I just wanted to make a nice bar of soap and have people enjoy it. But, um, but yeah, I think that people love that. Like people want, um, it's, it's maybe a bit of a reaction to all this kind of corporate, stuff that's been rammed down our throat you know using things we don't know what's in them and you know so now we want to know and we want to take action and we want to um be informed about what we eat and we want to be informed about what we put on our on our body so totally
0: um so i like to end every podcast talking about what beauty means to you and what being a boss means to you
1: Ooh, what beauty means to me so um beauty means to me um it's really yeah it's about enjoying life i think you know my mother is one of the most beautiful people i've ever seen and she's just laughs all the time and is a um it really makes people feel good and and takes care of other people so i think beauty is much more about giving than it is about um anything else and i think the more you do that the, the more beautiful you become so um beauty fumery is more of a feeling i guess and then um how am i as a boss i mean i think being a boss is is being understanding what what makes people and and what makes them interesting and what makes what they're interested into. Like I think that's the funnest part of, of working with people is finding out you know what who
0: they are uh, what, and what drives them. What drives
1: them yeah. and um, and that's that's what's so exciting about Bastide is that we you know we have so many people who are um, passionate about what they do and and are really really great people. So I think yeah. It's about. I I I, th- I would hope that I'm a boss that cares. <laughs> no, no, I, yeah. think,
0: I think we have a lot of fun together. Yeah, that's really amazing. Yeah. Well, I'd love to gift you a product oh, from my skincare so line. Excited. So we'll chat about out, your yes. you know needs and, I just and send, stuff.
1: I'm sending you all of our stuff too. Um, so.
0: That's awesome. I'm gonna love it. I'm sure. And. Um, it was so fun having you. I feel like I could so, keep talking to you for the whole rest of the day. But um, um, But you. this has been so fun. And everybody, um, check out uh, Besteed, besteed.com and at Besteed on Instagram. Yeah, Besteed Official Okay, Besteed yep Yep. great. So brush up on your French for that. Thank um, you. <laughs> thanks
1: so much for being Thank here. Thank you so much. Bye.